You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Hello, America. My name is James T. Harris, and I am a unicorn. According to the Urban Dictionary, a unicorn is a, a mythical creature, someone amazing who is hard to catch or simply a very hard find. The term is often describing someone who is remarkably attractive, but not at all crazy, and has a great personality. Ha <laughs> ha! That's me. I am a husband to a smoking hot wife, a father to three perfect kids. They never do anything wrong ever, but that's not what makes me mythical, no. What makes me a very rare find is the fact that I am a radio talk show host who is an American of African descent, conservative, and has a great face for television. Yes, I am a beautiful man. My show is called The Conservative Circus. I am the ringmaster, and the big top is News Talk 550 KFYI out of Phoenix, Arizona. Now, if you would have told me any time in my life up to a few weeks ago, that this day would happen, I say you're crazy. But here I am, sitting in for Glenn Beck. I'm honored. I'm also very, very frightened, but that's okay, because you're right here with me. Millions of you. <laughs> before I was in radio, I was a professional speaker. Before I was a speaker, I was a high school teacher for, for 10 years. But I have always been the child of Randolph and Desi Harris. And the one thing they demanded of my sister and me was that we respected our elders. An adult is never wrong. Even when they are wrong, you will show respect. That's what my father said. I have a childhood memory of my father walking into my elementary school class, looking to see where I was. We had eye contact. Then he went over to the teacher. The teacher's name was Mr. Fritchie. I remember it because this was a traumatic experience that I had. The teacher was surprised. Mr. Fritchie was like, Mr. Harris, uh, uh, why are you here? They had met doing parent-teacher conferences. And my father told Mr. Fritchie, if my son ever gives you any problems, if my son ever disrespects you, you have my permission to whoop his assets. That's what he said. He didn't say asses, but you know. And my eyes went wide, and I sat straight up, and Mr. Fritchie said to my father, oh, Mr. Harris, I'm sure things won't come to that. I mean, James, he's a very disciplined young man. And my father said, just in case, I want you to know. I want him to know. I want the class to know. You have my permission. Yeah, my parents were very, very serious about respecting authority. I tried to pass that on to my kids. You know, you have that first kid, and you're, that first kid is wonderful, that first kid is perfect, and you think that, you know what, you are the greatest parents on the planet. Then God gives you that second child to let you know you had nothing to do with it. My <laughs> number two wild child my number two, you know, number one would say, Mom, can I cross the line? And Mom would say, No. And so he would stay four feet from it. My number two, mom, could I cross the line? No. He would get his toes right on the other side of the line. And then when you weren't looking, he put his foot all the way over and then bring it back. Number two, when we go to parent-teacher conferences, obviously he was very, very bright. But, you know, he had, he acted out. My solution, well, I, I pulled from my father. 
I said, look, put my name on the on the board and put my telephone number, my cell number right next to it. If you ever have a problem, just point to that number. And and number two, uh, whenever he did have a problem, uh, the teacher pointed to the number and he just sat down, eyes wide, back straight. We respect authority. Never had a real problem out of my number three. Uh, my daughter, until she grew up and turned into a teenager. But that's a different story for a different day. <laughs> Respecting authority. When I was a high school teacher, I was the first American of African descent working in that high school. And there were, there were uh, black students there. They tried me. I'm at the board and I'm putting up the lesson. And all of a sudden, boom, I get hit in the back of the head with an eraser from two black kids. Again, I'm the only black teacher in the school. How are you going to treat me like this? What? What? You know, I turned around to them and said the same thing Don Lemon said to me years later when I was on his show, uh, you know, during the presidential debate with Obama. I said, brother, really? <laughs> really? Seriously? I shut the class down. I took out some paper and put some tape over the window. And the t students were like, what are you doing, Mr. Harris? I'm like, you know what? Class is over. When the, when the, when, when the bell rings, I want everybody out of the class except for you two sitting in the front row, the ones who threw the eraser at my head. Uh, the kids left the classroom. I locked the door. They couldn't see in because that's why I put the paper up. And then I did something very unprofessional. I took off my, my, my suit coat. I wore a suit and tie every day as a teacher. You know, I think that that would sort of command more respect. I loosened up my tie. I rolled up my shirt and then I went over and I engaged the two young men. And then I opened a door and I threw their books and their coats out. It was the last class of the day. And then I packed up all of my stuff because I knew that I was going to be fired. I knew it. You just can't engage people like that. And you're, you can't do that. So I was expecting to be called down to the principal's office just like students do. And I was expecting to be dismissed. It didn't happen. The day after that, it didn't happen. The day after that didn't happen. So I went to the students. They came to the class. They were perfectly well-behaved. They were respectful. And I kept them after class. One day I'm like, hey, you know what? Uh, what happened? They're like, what do you mean? I said, didn't you go home and tell your parents uh, or what happened? And they said, no. I'm like, why? They said, because they would have whooped our assets too. Oh, <laughs> your parents demanded respect. Your parents would have been embarrassed if they would have known, if they knew how you treated a teacher, someone in authority. Yes, Mr. Harris. Okay. Well, I'm glad we have this understanding. Funny sidebar story. Years later, I was driving to church, had the whole family, all three kids there, and we were driving to church, and I noticed that a car did a U-turn and started following me, and it kind of freaked me out. I turned left, he turned left, I turned right, he turned right. Followed me right into the parking lot of the church. And I'm like, okay, this is serious business. Honey, let's get the kids out, get in church, somebody, get, get, get somebody out here. You know, I'm being stalked. Well, it turns out that the stalker was one of the kids that I had the engagement with years ago. He saw me driving in the minivan, recognized me, and just wanted to talk to me. He had his wife in the car, and he had two kids. And he said, Mr. Harris, I thought that was you. Mr. Harris, do you remember that day? When I'm like, of course I remember that day. 
He said, Mr. Harris, I just want you to know I graduated from high school. I went to the Navy. I, uh, I, I, I've had so much success. I told my wife about you. I told my friends about you. I told them about that day and how that day really just changed things for me and how important respect is. I was relieved that it wasn't something serious, but I was also very much humbled. Respect. All of this floods into my mind as I, as I face the fact that the first lady of the United States of America goes to an opiate summit and there's Americans of African descent, kids, really middle schoolers. She walks in. Here's a woman who is, is learned. Here's a woman who speaks multiple languages. Here's a woman who has dedicated her time and her resources to address a problem that is plaguing America, that is plaguing this neighborhood. And she is greeted with a course of booze. Booze. See, the headlines say that uh, First Lady was booed at an opiate summit. But if it were reversed, they would introduce race to the equation. See, 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 see. It should read, Black students boo First Lady. But the media is not going to do that, are they? No, they're not. So we have to, we have to break this down. Because I think there are two factors. There are two things that are at work here. One of them is the absolute breakdown of the family. But the other is how the media is manipulating, how the media is spinning, how the media is causing people to, to turn against one another, how they're continuing to foment racism. I believe that uh, we are way past the time, way past the time where we can blame race for anything. And yet that is the chief weapon. That is the tool that the left uses. We're going to get into how the media has responded to this. If you paid attention to my earlier stories, you know where I'm coming from. I say that this is a complete breakdown of the family. It is not just the black community. Do you remember uh, Cameron Casey? He's from the Parkland, one of the Parkland survivors. And you had Senator Marco Rubio go down and to meet with the survivors. Remember that town hall meeting? Do you remember the disrespect that those kids showed a sitting senator? of the United States in the United States of America. Disrespect. I absolutely, you know, shut off everything he was saying afterwards. I couldn't hear it because of the lack of respect. Meanwhile, you've got Nick Sandman. Remember him from one of the Covington Catholic kids that were in Washington, D.C. And uh, he was uh, approached by a, a Native American. And yes, and yes, remember how the media 
treated that story, treated that young man. I'm telling you, we've got things to talk about. James T. Harris sitting in for Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Program. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Hi, it's Glenn. If you're a subscriber to the podcast, can you do us a favor and rate us on iTunes? If you're not a subscriber, become one today and listen on your own time. You can subscribe on iTunes. Thanks. If you are a fan of impeachment, if you are a fan of the of the drama of the of the show, you are having the time of your life. I mean, when is the last time we were able to really enjoy a good impeachment? We got to go all the way back to Bill Clinton. And that was fun. I mean, that was salacious. Right. I was a high school teacher during that period of time and a miracle happened. They may be the current events teacher right in the middle of the Clinton Lewinsky scandal. Oh, yes. I had my students read the Star Report for extra credit. Yeah. Uh, then I got called down to the principal's office because the Star Report really is soft porn. I'm serious. The things that Bill Clinton did in the Oval Office is is, is terrible. But you know, it was just it was just relations between consenting adults. That's what we were told, and that was the impact on the kids. You know, it depends on what the meaning of is is that became very popular and also that oral relations really isn't relations thank you bill clinton you know when i was uh, uh first married my wife was uh, on the left she's a she was a, she's liberal she's liberal but she's so beautiful that i kind of overlooked that <laughs> people credit me for flipping her i didn't flip her it was the impeachment hearings that flipped her Yes. My, our, our, our number one son, you know, he was old enough to pay attention and ask questions. And he was keep he kept asking, Mommy, did the president do something wrong? Is he in trouble? And mom wouldn't answer the question. So I would. Yes, son, he's in trouble. Well, well, why is he lying? Well, son, you see what he did was and my wife was like, no, stop, stop talking. And I, there was one incident. I remember my wife diving across the living room to turn off the TV so my son would not have to hear about all that Lewinsky stuff. And I said, look at you trying to protect yourself from, from trying to protect your son from the man you voted for twice. <laughs> my son said when i grow up i don't want to be the president because the president's always lying and getting in trouble that's what flipped my wife that's what flipped her that's what moved her from being on the left side of the aisle over into the promised land and you know what the same thing is happening right now with this impeachment hearing. You have many Democrats who are watching uh, these these Democrat uh, uh, representatives. They're watching their behavior. We're seeing that the left never has accepted President President Trump's 2016 election win. They have been in resistant mode from the very beginning before he was even sworn in. We've had marches. We've had yeah, just the, the, the left, the Hollywood left, lose their mind. Robert De Niro, these guys, they're losing their mind. 
Then we had the fake uh, 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 Mueller investigation. We had the, oh, he's colluding with the Russians. And they dug deep. And the deeper they dug, more of the deep state was exposed. More of the fact that we had operatives. Ladies and gentlemen, we had elected officials. We had our police force. Uh, we had the FBI. We had the intelligence community trying to conduct a coup. That's crazy. That's banana republic stuff. It's happening right here. We actually are watching men in uniform lying, testifying on lies about a president of the United States trying to overturn him because they don't like him. He's not part of the club. I had an opportunity to read The Plot Against the President by Lee Smith. It is an excellent book. And the fact that I read that book before these uh, impeachment hearings started, I'm sitting there able to connect the dots. I could read the stitches on the fastball. Then I sat down and I watched uh, uh, the Democrats' Hydra. Yeah, and the Glenn Beck piece, that's right. Sat down and watched it. It was a little over an hour. And I wanted to say, come on, come on, Glenn Beck. Come on, man. <laughs> That's conspiracy. See, there used to have a, I used to have a conspiracy theory button right on, you know, right, 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 right in the studio. And whenever people would call in, talk about deep state, I hit that button. It's conspiracy. You can't do that anymore. And you especially can't do that with Glenn Beck because he has all of the I's dotted and the T's crossed and he has documentation up the yang gang. You can't deny it. But then you're overwhelmed. You're overwhelmed by how deep the rabbit hole goes and how far back the Democrats Hydro is going to blow your mind. But you need to watch it. You also need to to read the, the plot against the president by Lee Smith. When you do, and you look at these impeachment hearings, <laughs> you see what's going on. Now, have you noticed that since the showboat shift hearings, you got to be careful when you say that, showboat shift, you know, the, the, the shift hearings, he's full of shift. So you got to be careful with that. Have you noticed that there has been some movement, those rumbling sounds you hear are the independence feet moving to the conservative side of the aisle. Check it out. Poll after poll and, and a few largely unnoticed interviews are evidence that the country in general has tired of the impeachment issue. The people want some action on things that matter in their lives. And it's obvious that Nancy Pelosi is not willing to do that. Schiff had his shot and he came up short. If you notice, the mainstream media has pretty much avoided the topic now. Instead, they, and they're doing polls and they've turned their attention to the upcoming Inspector General's report. Remember that? They're not really talking about impeachment right now. Have you noticed that? Oh, oh, and Trump supporters, we've been psychoanalyzed by amateurs, pundits, and a sprinkling of experts, and we are being called cultists. We have been accused of having the mindset of ISIS members. So we can, we can uh, shift, shift to the side 
Uh, we've got the holiday weekend news cycle to to to, 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 to fill. Now we got to get ready for the next big event on the calendar, and what is that? That's impeachment 2.0. No, you thought I was, you thought I was gonna say that it was the USMCA getting passed by. <laughs> Silly, you thought that we were going to talk about you know dealing with prescription drug prices. You thought that we were going to have an actual budget instead of a continuing resolution. Immigration reform? No, no, no. Healthcare reform? No, no, no. Is there any legislation coming out of the House? The answer is no. The House, instead, is focused on unseating a duly elected president who continues to gain even greater favor with the voters in this country. It's amazing the amount of pressure that this president has been under, and he still is working on behalf of the American people. He still is getting things done. Not Congress. Next week, they plan on resuming their march toward impeachment. But ladies and gentlemen, this time is different. We got Nadler. We got the penguin. He's on stage. He's on deck. And according to news reports, he's invited the president and the president's attorneys to attend this. Oh, oh, that's wonderful. And the letter inviting the president, you know, it's been made public. It's transparency. They want you to believe that this time. Unlike the, the Schiff affair. The president's been given a fair shot at addressing the issue. But, my friends, nothing could be further from the truth. And the devil is in the details. This is all amazing. And I'm going to give you the skinny, skinny, skinny coming up next. James T. Harris sitting in for Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Program. James C. Harris sit again for Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck program, and I am I'm just having a fantastic time here. First time sitting in on a, a nationally syndicated talk show. Having a, having a great time, but I had a call. I had a call. My first call took me to the woodshed. You know, I, I feel like uh, the bell saved me there. Uh, it's like Rocky and Apollo Creed. I was, this is the Rocky one. I just happened to get up before he did because the bell knocked him out. <laughs> he was saying I got it all wrong. He was saying, you know, from he'd been waiting for hours. Everything I said was wrong. Well, here's the deal. Yeah, yeah. Congress did get a lot of things passed, but I guess I should have said they didn't get the president's agenda passed. McConnell did not vow to impeach uh, President uh, Obama just to make life difficult for him. And why shouldn't he? That's the way politics works. You allow Obama his term and, and try to defeat him the next time around. The Republicans didn't go for impeachment even when Obama went over their heads with executive orders. They just didn't. Obama pretended Congress didn't exist. And Congress didn't object because it was Obama. The first black president. You, you, who's going to, do you remember that whole thing? Do you remember 
people were afraid to disagree with President Obama because they didn't want to be called racist. And, of course, you know that the media was absolutely 100 sold out for Obama, even though he was spying on them. And most of the bills passed by the House are junk legislation. Let's just be real. Open borders, climate. And no, David in Florida, they, <laughs> we wanted a back and forth, but we can do that on Twitter. You can, you can follow me on Twitter at James T. Harris, or we can do that on Facebook. You can follow me there at James T. Harris Media. Let's talk about college students. You know what? Let's not. I was a high school teacher for 10 years. And uh, I was openly conservative, although I did not try to indoctrinate my children. My 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 partner, uh, who's also a history teacher, was a, a lefty. I would even say she was a she's communist. <laughs> and we balanced each other beautifully. She had a mock legislation. This is in Brown Deer, Wisconsin, circa the 1990s. And that thing was so real. I was the Republican coach. She was the Democrat coach. That was so real that we had Congressman Barrett. He's now the mayor of Milwaukee at the time. Read that thing into the congressional record. It was outstanding. And my students all the time, especially my more liberal students, they were getting angry with the social issues of the day. This is before global warming, even though global warming was around. Um, uh, this was before socialism was really hip. But they were kind of like wanting to redistribute wealth. They said that, you know what, uh, people should give up more of their money in order to in order to have uh, poor people get off the streets. Some of my students even empathized with the poor and they went and lived with them in, in, in the middle of the inner city on, on, on sewer grates and stuff like that in wintertime. They came back and shared their experiences. I said that was crazy. You know, I understand you walk in another man's shoes, but, you know, it's crazy. They kept pushing this. They kept pushing this. I said, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. We're going to in introduce, I'm going to introduce to you a great tax. Because there are a lot of people in this class who are suffering. They're poor in grades. You got some kids that are flunky. You got some kids that are D, you know, D minuses. Some kids are trying to put their head down on the desk. I was famous for hitting them in the head with tennis balls if they went to sleep in my classroom. I'd be arrested for that today. But uh, uh, I said, if you are an A student and I'm going to take your A and I'm going to knock it down to a B and I'm going to give that to somebody who's getting an F, so now they're getting a D. If you are a B student, I'm going to knock it down to a C. I'm going to give it to a D student and then they're going to end up getting a C. And I did it for real. I did that. I did that. It lasted for two days. <laughs> it one day longer out of my pride because I got called down to the principal's office. Parents were livid. Parents were livid. Students were, girls were crying, but I work hard. Why does he get my grade and I work so hard? I'm like, hey, it's great tax. He's poor. Look at him. He's sleeping. He's drooling. He's, he, you need to share your grade with him. To lift all the boats in the class. Oh, that got rejected quick. I haven't been in the classroom in over 20 years, and I still hear from former students about the grade tax. We tie it in. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. We have moved so far down the road. Thanksgiving. You know, Christmas. Remember when we used to say, "Where put the Christ back into Christmas. It's about Jesus. It's about the birth of the baby Jesus. Not the grown man Jesus, the baby Jesus. 
Now it's about Santa Claus. As a matter of fact, we don't even Thanksgiving right after Halloween. They start putting out the Christmas stuff, but not about the baby Jesus. It's about the Santa Claus because they want you to buy gifts. We skip over, I think, arguably one of the most important, most significant holidays in our history. Thanksgiving. We don't teach what it's about anymore. As a matter of fact, the College Fix, which is a fantastic uh, outlet, they, uh, they, they went and they asked students on campus what they thought about Thanksgiving. And I want, I want you, I want you to, to brace yourself if you haven't heard this because it is absolutely, it's absolutely crazy. So you think it's Christmas and Easter are worse than Thanksgiving? Yeah, well, I think that like Thanksgiving has been misconstrued a lot. Um, especially in textbooks and it's kind of just based off of the genocide of indigenous people um, and I don't really think that we actually give thanks on Thanksgiving we just eat a bunch of food and it's just a bunch of capitalist Ooh, we're here today ooh. at McAllister College a small Christian private school in Christian. Minnesota asking students if it's okay to celebrate Thanksgiving Ooh, leaning towards no I feel like with you know the historical context and historical you context. know kind of the really awful oppression of mm. you know indigenous people mm. like the holiday is really like praised by i think people more on like the conservative side of things to oh, like uphold oh. that sort of tradition oh <laughs> so much there and the indigenous people yeah it's only celebrated by people on the conservative side of the aisle actually you know what this young man may be on to something because the conservatives more so than the liberals know their history they know the history of thanksgiving but if you thought that uh, uh the that thanksgiving was not under attack i am telling you right here and right now we got a generation of kids that want to get rid of the holiday The original, like, the celebrating a feast really isn't because of the oh. notions of what the actual holiday was. Well, I mean, the entire thing is sort of based off of uh, indigenous peoples and the indigenous murder people. of indigenous peoples in history. The murder? Not really, but people. what do Americans do except for celebrate unethical holidays? Unethical. What other holidays are unethical? Columbus Day. I mean, Christmas break, it should be labeled as, like, winter break in general, but most schools are celebrating right. as Christmas break. Sure. Do you celebrate these holidays? Uh, more or less. Hypocrite! Yeah. And moral holiday? I guess if Santa Claus was a part of the alphabet people, if you were a LGBTQ or something like that, it would be okay. Then it would be, you know, right. But no, these, these students, they're serious. The assault on Thanksgiving holiday is only a part of the wider war on traditional American values. You can hear it in these students' voice. Is it okay to celebrate Thanksgiving? Um, no. No. Yeah, it's probably not as bad as Christmas or Easter, Ooh. but like, Ooh. I don't know. So you think Christmas and Easter are worse than Thanksgiving? Yeah, definitely. They don't celebrate Christmas and Easter. Sure. That sucks. I'm pretty oh. anti-religious. So mm. I think that they're just like... Um, Why are you at a religious school then? There's a church good right question. over there. It's true. Good question. It's, true. it's a good point. 
Is it okay to celebrate Thanksgiving? <laughs> oh my God. Um, that's a good question. Lord, I, think, help us, Jesus. I think it's okay as long as your values are in the right place. So the history of the holiday is obviously not the best. Mm. Um, and it's very violent and oppressive. But if you are celebrating like the value of gratefulness and friendship and love and family, then I, I think that's a different story. I tell you what, this is bad. This was bad, and we can point to uh, one place. Well, actually, two. I'll take it back to the parents, and I'll also take it back to our education institutions that teach kids this stuff. But, you know, you know, Thanksgiving is the perfect holiday to talk about the, the founding of this country and to talk about the miracle of free enterprise. And we will do that. This is James T. Harris on Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, sitting in for Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hey, it's Glenn, and I want to tell you about something that you should either end your day with or um, start your morning with. And that is the news and why it matters. If you like this show, you're going to love the news and why it matters. It's a bunch of us that all get together at the end of the day and just talk about the stories that matter to you and your life. The news and why it matters. Look for it now wherever you download your favorite podcast. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand.